Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Let me ask you a question. If you don't leave every Sunday a little bit hoarse and raspy, have you really sang to the Lord? Huh? I mean, come, come the end of the day on Sundays, I hardly have a voice, but that's okay. Because I know I gave, and now I'm going to have to kick it up a notch. It sounds like they're, they're messing with me on the microphone, but I know I've given everything I have to worship God. Amen? And isn't that the purpose of life, to worship God, to live in obedience and, and joy and, and, and praise to Him? So, so let, me, let me just encourage you, if you come to church, bring it, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, bring it. Oh, that's weak. Turn to your neighbor and say, bring it. That's a little bit better. Man, we are so glad to have all of you with us, and we are concluding today a study called Living the Bold Life. And if you haven't been with us the last three weeks, you need to go on our website, connectionschurch.church, and hit the media button and catch up, right? Because you don't want to miss anything that's been a part of this study. It's been life-changing, transforming. We're hearing testimonies. We're seeing testimonies of people stepping out in a bold way. And if you haven't already, grab your outlines and, and your handouts. And, and on one side, it's a great place to take notes. And you'll know that side because at the top of the page, it says, hey, you guys are sharper than the last bunch that was here. Yeah, it says notes up at the top of the page, so grab a pen or pencil, something to write with, and follow along with us in God's Word today as we talk about obeying boldly. Man, I love that. I love that, that we get the opportunity to say yes to God. And it's as simple as that. Whatever God asks, we say, yes, sir. Yes, God. Yes. I will do it. I will go. I will speak. I will live. I will step out. Whatever the ask is, our answer to him should be this. Yes, God. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to speak to all of us and, and wants us to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the teachings in his word. And when we boldly obey, we're going to experience his presence in a very real and powerful and life-changing way when we do what he asked of us boldly. Now, let me give you the context for our, our text today in Acts chapter 5. If you haven't been with us, Peter and John were living the bold life. Man, they were preaching Jesus. The Sanhedrin didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus and said, you've got to stop preaching and talking in his name and they kept going at it and God gave them the ability and the faith to see a guy who had been crippled for how many years? 40 years, jump up on his feet and walk and run. They prayed and the guy was healed. And so that put the religious leaders in a bind because they wanted to keep the apostles locked up, but they couldn't because everybody knew that they had done this big miracle through Jesus. And so they were praying and people were being healed and they were casting out demons and, and people by the thousands were becoming Christians. And so the religious leaders felt the pressure of that. And they wanted desperately to put a stop to all of that. We've got to shut this down. And they knew if they didn't that Rome was going to come in and say, okay, you little kids couldn't handle this little situation, so we're going to take over. We're going to put a stop to it. So obviously this was a power struggle too. So they wanted to get this thing solved so they would not be stripped of their power. And so they were saying, we're going to get this done. And so they were jealous and they felt the pressure. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. And the Bible tells us this, then the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with what? 
Jealousy, isn't that an ugly thing? And they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now, the public jail is where you don't want to be because everybody knows what? You're in there. Why? Because it's public, man. They, they know what's going on. It's out in the open. They can tell who's in, who's not. So they arrested them, put them in the public jail. And during the night, the Bible tells us, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and did what? Brought them out. And some of you need to underline that in your Bibles right now. Some of you need to mark that. Some of you need to highlight that because you're sitting in this room or you're outside this room listening to us right now, whether it be today, here on Sunday, the last Sunday of September 2019, or, or later this week, you're catching up on things. And guess what? You need to be brought out of something that has you captive. You need to be brought out like these disciples were. So this angel shows up and brings them out. In verse 20, the Bible tells us that the angel said, go. Immediate direction. Immediate instruction. The angel of the Lord said, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Man, I love that. The full message. In other words, the angel says this, I'm getting you out of jail for a purpose. I'm freeing you for a reason. And I want you to go and not just give them half the story, not just give them a little bit, but I want you to go and aim both barrels and give everything to them. The full story. How many times are we guilty of holding back a little bit, not giving the full message? Here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes. We're going to watch as these apostles boldly obey. And what I want us to see today is three simple principles that will show up in our lives if we dare to live in bold obedience to God. Beginning with the first one there in your outline, and it simply says this, obeying God boldly normally brings what? Opposition. You ever face any opposition? You know what I'm talking about? Obeying God boldly normally brings some opposition. Listen back again to verse 18. The religious leaders arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Now, if you're keeping track during our, our, our series here, this is the second time that they had been in jail in a very, very short period of time. The problem is, in the Christian culture that so many of us live in today, in our little world here in America, we would say something like, that's unacceptable, that's just... That's just totally not fair, right? How dare we get persecuted for making a stand for Christ? And, and, and that's, that's sadly true that it's, that it's not fair. But listen to me this morning. Jesus never promised us fair. Will you write that down somewhere? He never promised that what we would go through as his people would be fair. As a matter of fact, they killed him very unfairly on the cross, right? How many remember that story we always celebrate around springtime called Easter that, that they crucified Jesus who was not guilty, right? So he never promised that it was going to be fair what we would go through. He just called us to bold living and bold obedience no matter what the price that there's to be paid. You ever thought about that? So often we think, well, I'm obeying God. I mean, I, I go to church once or sometimes twice a month, man. I'm, I'm really faithful. I'm diligent. I'm there whether I need it or not. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, you know, I, 
I helped that old lady across the road the other day when traffic wouldn't slow down. I'm, I'm a good person and nothing bad should, should happen to me. I mean, I'm, I'm obeying God, right? I, I should be married to a, a smoking hot wife who loves me like crazy and thinks I walk on water, right? I mean, that's kind of the mentality that, that American Christianity has, has drifted to. And I'm, I'm obeying. We should, we should have kids that never get sick. And I, I should make an A on my Algebra 2 exam because I read my Bible once this month. Or, or better yet, my, my football team, my favorite football team, should win the Super Bowl this year because I, I paid some tithes earlier this year. Can, can I get an amen on that, anybody? I mean, we like to use our faith as bargaining chips and, and use our, our walk with Christ as saying, hey, we should be immune to all the problems, all the unfairness, all the trouble that this world around us seems to have in its possession, that nothing bad should ever happen to us. And if you listen to a certain group of ministers, that's the message that they preach, that you should always walk in prosperity. You should never be sick. You should never be, be in debt. You should never have any issues at all. It should be zippity doo every single day of your life and nothing bad should ever come your way. That is not the life that Jesus lived when he was here. That is not the life that his disciples lived when they walked this earth after he rose from the dead and went back to heaven. There was adversity. As a matter of fact, he said, the world's going to hate you because they hated me. You are going to be persecuted because they persecuted me. You are going to face all kinds of various trials and troubles because of your faith in me. So guess what? Sunshine, <laughs> it ain't all roses and joy and happiness. You're going to face some troubles. Whenever you obey God, write it down. You will face opposition. But here's what we need to know. Here's what every single one of us needs to grab a hold of deeply in our hearts and our lives. And that is the fact that if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, then you are not ready to be used by God, period. And I want to repeat that again. That's some good preaching. You're way too quiet right there. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, you're not ready to be used by God because when you obey God, opposition is going to come. You're going to face the heat. And as we used to say around here, if you can't stand the heat, then get out of the kitchen. Because when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the heat is going to be turned up and intensified in your life and your situations. I guarantee it. In my life, I'll tell you, every single time, every single time that God used my obedience in a significant way to advance the kingdom, every time there has been opposition, opposition, opposition. I could go down the list. When we started this particular church, Connections Church, that you're at right now, guess what? I thought that all the Christians I shared the vision with would be like, man, oh, praise God. That is amazing. A former pastor is starting a new church, and we're going to pray for you, and we're, we're going to be there to help you. We're going to rally around you. You know what I got instead? A church? Why are you starting another church? I mean, why, why are you going to do that when there's churches, it seems like, on every single street corner that you turn in this town? Why? And there's enough churches to go around. We don't need you to start another church. Boy, that was eye-opening, right? Who do you think you are? How about this? You've been divorced. Your wife walked out on you. You couldn't even keep a family together and marriage together. I mean, how dare you think you can go out and start a church? Who are you? 
Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's the kind of stuff that comes at you when you say yes to God, whatever he's calling you to do. And believe you me, I wrestled with that decision to start a church. And I said this, I remember saying to God these words, God, what I was told, I said to God, we don't need another church. I mean, I can pick up a rock and turn in either direction that I, that I want to turn to and throw it and hit a steeple, right? And in this little town, Belmont, North Carolina, Gaston County, it's not just the Bible Belt, it's the buckle on the belt. I mean, there's churches everywhere. And I, I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit, not just whispering in my ear, but yelling to me, I don't need just another church. I desperately need more healthy churches that are about the Great Commission, that are preaching Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected on the third day, that are actually going to Honduras and going across the street and going to their world and taking the love of Christ to everywhere they can that are not playing politics and games inside the church that are saying, you know what? It's all about him. Let Jesus be the center of our lives, of our church, of our congregation. And if he's not, then get us off the map because we don't belong here. That's what it's about. And when he spoke those words to me, I said, yes, Lord. If my name has to be drugged through the mud, yes, Lord. If I have to be ridiculed and put down, yes, Lord. No matter what it is, I want to be that person that says, yes, Lord. Let me tell you something. Every significant act of obedience is going to be met with opposition. And if you want to boldly obey God, you've got to put it down on your calendar. Opposition is a coming, as they say. It will happen. But I'm going to tell you this. Don't worry when you meet that opposition for obeying God. Worry when you don't because you're probably not obeying God in your life, right? If you're in a season of smooth sailing, then you better check something. I don't know what it will be for you. You might be sick and tired of debt. You might be tired of trying to keep up with the Joneses and going in deeper and deeper and deeper. God might say to you, you know what? It's time for you to get out from under that $50,000 automobile that you're riding around and buy you a clucker for $2,500 and not have a car payment, not be in that big of debt. It might be time for you to cash in that big house that you're struggling to pay for and, and find you something small out on the outskirts of town. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is something to do with debt. God might be saying to you, it's time for you to raise your children differently. Instead of having them in every sports thing that comes along and playing them weekdays, weekends, and, and every chance you, you can put them on the field, it might be time for you to draw a line and say, and you say, you know what? I don't care if he ever makes it to the major leagues. I don't care if he ever goes to Cooperstown. I don't care. I will not have my child playing ball on a Sunday, period. I don't care if all my neighbors and all my circle and all my friends and everybody at school and everybody in the community, everybody in the county is doing it. I'm going to be that parent that says, you know what? I am not going to do it. Might be that. I don't know. God might be dealing with some of you saying it's time for you to rise up and, 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 and start a new connect group at Connections Church. It might be in an odd time of the day. It might be in the mornings when everybody else mostly is at work, but you've got a few people that, that work the second or the third shift that are looking for a place. It might be time for you to rise up and say, you know what, God? If you can speak through a donkey, you can speak through me. I'm in. Yes, Lord. Might be time for some of you to actually join a connect group. You, you've lived far too long isolated on your own, saying, well, that stuff's not for me. I don't want to get involved. I don't want people to know my business. I don't want to know people's business or whatever. Stop that. 
God called us to live in the community together, to do life together, to, to share with each other, regardless of times where we're going to get on each other's nerves, because I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to get on each other's nerves. Amen? But we're going to love each other through it. We're going to work together and say, hey, you know what? This is the life that God has called us to together with all its warts and all its bumps and all its good things and all its hardships and everything else. We're going to do it together. It might be time for some of you to stop that ongoing sin issue that you've got in your life. Say, God, once and for all, I'm done with it. Get it out of me. I want to live clean and holy, and free. It's your secrets that keep you bound. So it's going to take a bold step to say, hey, I've sinned. I'm involved with the sin. Whatever it may be. Guys, it might be pornography. Might be something along those lines for you. Whatever it may be. Women, it might be gossip. You might not be able to keep your mouth shut talking bad about other people, but it's time to let the Holy Spirit shut your mouth. Amen? Whatever it is, God's calling for a radical, bold, obedient step. And you can count on it. You're going to face opposition. Some of you might remember the study we did in the book of Nehemiah a number of months back. And when God called Nehemiah, this, this young man who was a cupbearer to the king, to be the one to lead the rebuilding and reviving of Jerusalem, he was opposed every step of the way by a guy named Sambalot and his evil gang. And at some points in his story, and if you don't believe me, go back and read the book of Nehemiah. If you don't believe me, at some points in the story, they were working on the wall with a hammer in one hand, and they had a sword in the other hand ready to fight off any attack that would come at them. Why? Because they knew that opposition was there. They knew that these guys were gunning for them. They knew that they did not want them to accomplish what God had called them to. And the same thing is true of us. Whenever we say yes to God, you better believe it, that the enemy of your soul the devil is going to come at you with everything he's got to stop that from happening. So we just need to take that hammer in one hand and a sword of the Lord in the other hand, the word of God, and tell him, get behind me in Jesus' name. You have no authority here. Folks, I'm telling you, opposition is going to come. Opposition is going to happen. And number two on your outline, obeying God boldly many times brings miracles. Verse 19, when you obey, you can expect God to show up and work supernaturally. In verse 19, I love this. Now, if you remember, this is Luke, the physician who is writing the, the book of Acts. And listen to just a statement because many doctors don't have a lot of emotion. They don't get caught up in flowery speech and, 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 and dramatic description and all that. And I, I tend to believe that Luke was that same way. Just write, write it to the point. Just write it out. Just clear statement, no fluff with it, just whoop to the point. Like to come in and tell you, you got diabetes. I'm going to lunch now, you know. That's kind of the way most physicians operate. Not all, but a lot. So here's the statement. Just kind of just hear this. But during the night, Luke wrote, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Period. Wow. Okay. Now, I don't know if you, about you, but if it had been me, I would have written it a little differently. It would have probably went something like, you're not going to believe this. These guys were locked up again. Second time in a matter of just days. They're in jail. And guess what? An angel. I mean, he looked like he was 10 feet tall in this long flowing robe. And like my son Devin asked me the other day, 
Are we going to have wings when we get to heaven like the angels? Maybe they have wings. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I tried to explain that to an 11-year-old on the way to school the other morning. It's really a pretty tough conversation to have with an 11-year-old who really don't get it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know what this angel looked like, but if I was describing it, I said it was amazing. He shows up and he speaks to him and he tells him, I'm getting you out of here and here's what you're going to go do. And, and he was just like glowing. You know what I mean? He had this huge sword in his hand, man, like he would kill an elephant with it. We're not condoning the killing of elephants here, so don't get me wrong here, but that's how big the sword was. And wow. Matter of fact, I'm going to go tweet that. that it's just amazing what, what this angel looked like. But here's what I want you to get. To Luke, this was routine. When Jesus went back to heaven, miracles continued through the disciples to the point that it wasn't like earth shattering when one happened. It was like this is life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Look at me, church. Do not miss this. Miracles should be a regular part of our lives. All kinds of miracles, big ones, small ones, and, and whenever they happen, we, we, we are right to get excited about them, but it should be a thing that, hey, we're not surprised because that's who God is. God showed up. They were in prison. They needed a miracle. Jesus sent the angel. The angel freed them. Luke wrote it down as if he were like, huh, it's just another day. Angels showing up. People being healed. Miracles happening everywhere. Praise God. Let's just keep on keeping on. I'm telling you, church, it's amazing. I want to see miracles become the routine in our lives. And us not take them for granted, be excited about them, but not be shocked that they're happening because that's who God is, right? And that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Exclamation point. If this doesn't get you going, <laughs> check a pulse. You might be clinically dead. Matter of fact, just reach over the neck right there and check. I'm just kidding. Don't touch your neighbor right yet. Man, this stuff should just get us pumped like nothing else in the world. And listen to me, I, I'm not saying that nothing ever goes wrong. These guys were in prison, right? I mean, that's tough. But in the middle of a tough, tough situation, the provision of God through an angel shows up. Folks, that's amazing. What miracle do you need to see in your life right now? Close your eyes for just a moment and just think about that. Some of you don't have to think long. You're like, whoop, it's this. This situation, this, this is a prison, this is a, a tough situation. I need, I need God to show up. So then on the heels of that, you can open your eyes back up so you don't fall asleep. Some of you, what act of obedience do you need to make to open up the prisons you find yourself in right now? Listen, we need to experience the miraculous regularly, and obedience to God is a huge part of that. So many times... Listen to me. Look at me right now. So many times Jesus in his earthly ministry would instruct people to do some crazy things. I want you to go over to that pool and I want you to jump into the pool and I want you to be healed. When you jump in that water, you're going to be healed. It wasn't the water. It was Jesus giving the instruction and them obeying it wholeheartedly. Another time he said, hey, listen, they've run out of wine at the wedding. This was his first recorded miracle. He tells his, his, his disciples, he says, hey, go get me some jars of water. And I'm sure they're thinking, uh, I know you're the son of God and everything, but, you know, water is not the same as wine. I don't know if we can fool people, even with the best of high quality H2O, as the water boy would say. It's, I, just, I just don't think so. Just do it. 
So they go and they get these jars of water and they bring them back and man, he says, begin to pour and wine comes from where the water was. He turned the water into wine. One time he told his disciples they were worried about paying taxes. Any of you worried about paying your taxes? Maybe try this. He says, hey, if you're worried about paying taxes, go down by the seashore, grab some fish. When you get those fish, open up their mouths. Woohoo! cha-ching. It's going to be like going to Cherokee. There's going to be money in there. Don't go to Cherokee. Just kidding. You take that money and you go give to Caesar what is Caesar's. It's the obedience. It's the saying, you know, Lord, I don't care what it makes me look like. If you ask me to do it, I'm going for it. I remember at my last church when I was served, we, we surrounded this piece of property. We literally horseshoed it. Our buildings, we, we were in a neighborhood. We just would buy up whatever came available around us, and we'd build something else, and we'd put a parking lot. We'd do whatever. And we horseshoed this one little house and piece of property. And, and one morning, I was in my office trying to get there before everybody else and spend some time in prayer, just walking through the day, working on some stuff before the phone started ringing. And I was saying, Lord... Lord, I just, we, we, we really need this property. And as clear as bell, I heard the Lord say, go out and walk around that property seven times. Well, Lord, do we need it that bad? I mean, you know, because it had a, an elderly couple that lived in there and, and, and they would sit out on the porch in the mornings and I'm sure they were going to be thinking, what is that nut doing now? Just lap after lap. And there was a little bit of something in me that didn't want to do it. But that lot of something in me that said, you got to do it, took over. And I said, all right, I'm out the door. So I go out and I just go, and here's what he said. Don't ask me for it. Thank me for it. So I'm walking around that property and I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This year, whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'm going to do. Thank you for giving us this property and your time and your season and your way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Seven times I walked around that property. And, and at the end of that seventh time, guess what happened? There are walls around that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he was like with me, man, what? You're kidding me. Went back in the office, went about my day. About two and a half months later, I'm in the office again. I get a knock on the door. Early in the morning, I, I go get the door myself, and it's the son of the couple, older couple that had lived in the house. I'd never met him in my life. He said, hi, I'm Mr. Anderson. I, I wanted to take a minute of your time. If, if you got him, I said, absolutely, come on in. He explained to me who he was. And that, that was his parents, and, and, and one of them had passed away, and we knew that. We had, we had sent some stuff and, and helped the family and stuff, and, and, and the other one, they were having to put her, the, the, the dad passed away. The mom, they were putting her in a nursing home. He said, listen. The family has talked. We can't use the house. We don't need it. We, we felt like you guys <laughs> could use the house more than any of us and, and the property. I said, funny you say that. We, we sure could, and, and we sure appreciate you thinking of us first. He said, yes, sir, I wanted to come and give you guys first opportunity. Long story short, just a, a few weeks later, we were signing the papers and taking ownership of that property, and we built a new gym and youth center there just a, a few months after that. It may look weird. It may seem strange to you when God says, do something. You may not understand it, but I'm going to tell you something. And don't, get, don't miss this. If you dare to step out, do what God asks, you're unlocking the doors to the miraculous in big and small ways. 
And the last thing I want to give you on your outline today is, is simply this. Obeying God boldly always takes faith. It always requires faith. You've got to step out. Every single time God prompts us to do something, it's going to take big faith to obey him. Believe me, it's going to take a lot of faith. Verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells him, go stand in the temple court, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Now, in case you haven't been paying good attention, basically the angel said, go back and do what got you thrown in jail twice already, okay? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Go back and do what the people who have the power and the authority to kill you, go back and do what they told you not to ever, ever, ever do again. How many of you know that takes some huge faith in the face of maybe possibly death? To say, you know what, Lord, if you are calling me to go back again, I'll go back again. If you are calling me to go back a fourth time, I'll go back a fourth time, a fifth time. Ever how many times you call me, I'm going to go. Why? Because I trust you. Big faith. Huge faith. And too many times we wrestle with this, this part. What, what if those disciples would have said, well, you know, Lord, that's a, that's a novel idea been on board a couple times now, but let's, let's sit down at the bargaining table. I, I would really like to get some details of how this next time is going to go because, you know, throw me in jail once, okay, throw me in jail twice, oof. Uh, so, so can we hammer out what, what it's going to look like long term? You ever been there with God? Like, okay, okay, Lord, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't really get what you're saying all the way through. So if we could just sit down from A to Z and kind of, you know, map out how this thing's going to really flow, you know, let's, let's pull out the flow chart. Any of you guys ever been in one of those meetings? And let's just kind of see where, where this thing takes us and, 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 and chart it all the way through to the very end and see, see where we're going to end up. Well, look at me, guys. Listen, if, if, if that's the way it worked, it wouldn't take faith. We wouldn't need faith. We would, we would just be able to do away with faith and say, okay, Lord, I understand what you're calling me to, and, and I see how it's going to go. The Bible tells us in Psalms that you are going to be a light to our feet, right? You're going to illuminate the couple steps right in front of us, that you're going to kind of shine the light a little ways. How many of you, when you get in your vehicle at night and you turn on your Headlights, or if you got one of them fancy cars, you don't have to turn them on. They just come on automatically. When you drive an 08 Dodge Ram truck that's been redneckified, you, you don't have that. you got to turn that button that, that says headlights. But when you turn those things on, you know what? A funny thing happens. They don't shine all the way to your destination, do they? Your headlights do not beam that far. Like if you were leaving here at night after your connect group meeting, you turned on your headlights, they would not shine the 10 miles back to your house, would they? But they shine just enough to get you down the road that next 100 feet or 200 feet. If you got your high beams on, maybe 300. I don't know. And that's the way it is with trusting God when he says, I want you to do fill in the blank, whatever that may be. I want you to step out and do this. I'm going to tell you something. For those of you that want the details, please hear this clearly. You wouldn't be able to handle the details. You want the truth? I can't handle the truth. Okay. Had to be done. Sorry. 
You couldn't, I couldn't handle it. You're going to do what, God? Are you serious? I just don't know about that. I mean, you know, we start getting all shaky and nervous and everything. But God's word is a lamp unto our feet. It will light up our next step. And I clearly remember that. I, you know, I guarantee you God's going to say something about you can't handle the details. When, when we started this church, as I, as I referenced earlier, with no people and no money and no details 11 years ago, we just had to trust God that his word was going to carry us through. That what he said he would do, he would do. And when he called us to plant this church, it wasn't our church, it's his church. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, we will follow you every step of the way. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible tells us that obedience is better than sacrifice. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, it's time. It takes faith when God calls us to obey. It always takes faith. I love verse 21. Watch, watch what the apostles did. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. Look at what they didn't do. They didn't delay. They didn't put it off. They obeyed fully. Write this down on your outline. Delayed obedience is simply disobedience. Don't wait. Don't hesitate because I can guarantee you this. Something or someone is going to talk you out of it if you do. You wait around long enough and you'll find enough excuses as to why it can't be done, why you can't do it, why it's just not possible, and you'll end up not doing anything at all that God's called you to do. So please, delayed obedience is disobedience, and lastly, partial obedience is disobedience. Whenever God prompts us, whenever he calls us to obey him, we do it completely and immediately, no matter what. If it's big, you obey. If it seems small and insignificant, you still obey. That is exactly what these guys did. And because of their obedience, the religious leaders brought them back in and unleashed on them again. And verse 28 tells us this, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. That name of Jesus but listen to what they responded with as you close your eyes for just a moment. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody say, we must. Go ahead one time. We must. Say it again. We must. I love that. We must obey God rather than men. What about us? Is it a must in our lives or is it optional? It's not an if or maybe or, or when I feel like it or when the mood hits me. Church has got to be a must. We've got to be driven by the must. I must obey God. I must follow his command. I must listen to his voice. I must do what he asked me to do. With your eyes closed for just another moment, I ask you this right now. What is it in your life that the Lord is speaking to you about right now when it comes to the area of full and complete obedience? What is it you've been running from? What is it you've been trying to get away from? What is it you've been struggling with? What is it that you know that God is dealing with you in right now? That you're willing to say, you can lock me up, you can beat me, you can put me back in prison, but we're not going away. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. 
with your eyes closed and the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, you know, you know what that is. I believe with all my heart that God is making that clear right now. I know for one young man, he came to me just a little bit ago and said, I must follow Jesus with my life completely. And as he makes his way down to the front of this church, I want you as well to come and join him and say, God, I am saying yes today to everything that you are calling me to in my life in this holy moment. Would you come right now and say yes to Jesus? Whatever it is, maybe it's full surrender to Christ. Maybe it's to start a ministry. Maybe it's to cut out a sin. Maybe it's to go to someone that you've had a broken relationship with and say, hey, as far as me, I love you and I'm ready to reconcile and walk in peace and love, whatever it may be. Maybe God's calling you to serve in the church like you never have before. Maybe God's calling you to worship him like you never have before. I don't know, but here's what I know. If we don't obey, we pay. We pay too heavy a price. We pay too heavy a price if we aren't in the place of saying yes to God, no matter what it is he asks of us. So would you come now and join these that are here at the front of this church and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever way that he's calling you to in this moment. Would you come now before we pray? I want some of you leaders to come and surround these folks that are here right now. And I mean, I want you to pray for them and with them like you never have before. I want you to pray for breakthrough. I want you to pray for, for deliverance, for, for help, for healing, for, for salvation, for whatever it is. Would you come now? And others are coming and finding their place at the front of this church. Would you all stand to your feet across this room? And if you, you need to be here, if God's dealing with your heart, would you come now? Would you make your way down at this moment and join these that are doing business with God in some surrender in obedience to what he's calling us to? And I just, I just felt this. Some of you, I really believe the Lord's put on your heart to go to somebody. Maybe they're not down in the front of this church, but to go with, to them and, and just, just pray over them. That's going to be an act of obedience on your part. You don't know why, you don't know what's going on. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but, but here's what I ask of you. Would you just go right now, stand with them, put an arm on their shoulder, and just begin to pray for them right now in this moment. Would you do that right now before we pray together corporately? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I need some other men to come down and join with these men right here and partner with them in prayer. Would you, would you come now? Some, some guys, thank you. We don't want anybody to be without somebody praying with them and for them in this church. Father, we thank you that you love us enough to include us in your plans. <laughs> that is some of the most amazing news that there is in this life, that you thought of us, that even before we were a twinkle in our mom's eye, you had a plan for us. You were calling us to greatness in you and through you. Not greatness according to what this world defines it as, but greatness in the kingdom of God, which is serving and loving and giving and going and doing everything that you have destined us to do, God. Thank you for that, that your plans are great and they're awesome, God, and sometimes they intimidate us, God, but that's good. That's a good thing, Lord. We want to be intimidated. We want to say, God, how in the world could this ever be? 
but it can't be without you. And Lord, we need to understand that and, and lean on that and rely on that. And right now, God, I thank you for people who made bold, brave steps today to come and surrender their lives to you, Jesus, to come and cut off some stuff in their lives that, that doesn't need to be there, to come and, and see vision renewed and, and, and birthed into their situations right now. Whatever it may be, God, I thank you for people saying yes to you in complete obedience. God, when we struggled, help us to win those struggles. When we battled, God, help us to be overcomers in those ways. Lord, I just pray over this congregation that we would be a people that would walk in obedience, and we would be a people that say yes to you, Jesus, no matter what the ask is. And we'll be a people that just can't help it. We will not stop preaching the name of Jesus. We will speak boldly. We will live boldly. We will declare boldly who Jesus is and all that he's done for us, God. And we just can't help it, God. We must continue speaking his name. God, thank you for that today. Lord, as we seal up this time around the altar, we do so by declaring in worship and song one more time who you are, the greatness of our God, that you're there with us no matter what we face, and you're going to bring us through in Jesus' name. So, Lord, let us sing as never before. Let us declare it as never before in this anthem of praise together. Would you sing it out, church, as we worship him one more time this morning? Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram.